0: Ladies and gentlemen, tonight's main event features two of movie history's fiercest competitors and they will do battle for the first time, last time and only time right here on this programme. It's set for one fall with podcast time remaining. Introducing first in the blood red corner from Germany, weighing one coffin of blood, the bird of death, the vampire from Vizborg, the net-biting nightmare, Nosferatu. His opponent in the white corner with the big red dot in the middle, from the Sea of Japan, weighing 60,000 tonnes, the (laughs) atom bomb kid, the daikaiju dominator... Wait for it. (laughs) The Sledgehammer from Yokohama. (laughs) Godzilla! (laughs) Oh, uh, this is episode 32 of Have You Seen...
1: Well, after that rather energetic intro, I, be- I guess i better carry on. I'm tired now. <laughs> um, so, as you may have guessed, that was Kieran Four, and I'm Tom Webb, as usual. Hello. <laughs> um, so, we're going to kick things off straight away in the blood red corner with Nosferatu. Okay. Um, so, I'll do a quick recap. Nosferatu is pretty much the story of Dracula, with the names changed and a few of the details switched about as well um it is it is the senior spielbergo of, yeah. <laughs> um, of, of horror movies absolutely um it's widely regarded as one of the uh, you know first ever feature length horror films it has had a massive influence over horror ever since mm-hmm. um you know i think you'll see some of the sort of interesting techniques and things that are used uh still to this day um The reason for the changes that were made to it was because uh, F.W. Murnau was denied the rights to the novel of Dracula. Um, Yes, Mrs. Stoker was not best pleased. No, she wasn't. Uh, She did sue him. Uh, A court ordered that all of the copies were destroyed, uh, which they were within Germany. Uh, Luckily, some survived outside, Um, including some original nitrates, which which still had the original tinting effect. So some of the movies... Uh, blue and black. Some of it's sepia. Some of it's kind of a movie color. Mm. I think a couple of shots are genuine black and white. Mm. Um, so it kind of varies, in dips and dives. And each one, each uh, color tint denotes either a different time of day or a different kind of mood. Um, uh, I think it's exclusively time of day. Yeah, pretty or, much. Or I mean,
0: lighting within a scene because there's a bit yeah. where lights go out within a uh, um, within a house. Yes, and it goes from the daylight filter yeah. to the nighttime filter. Yeah
1: yeah so i mean it's quite it's, a, it's the
0: special effects blockbuster of the day well, there's, absolutely, mo- there's more special yeah. effects than just that as well yeah
1: yeah um and it was it was pretty much uh done because uh, a lot of it they had to shoot in daylight because of the sort of camera equipment they used and it just looked like it was daylight all mm. the time and for a film like this you need it to be night A certain and dark element of in. night is quite yeah. helpful yes yeah so anyway that's enough of me recapping and waffling uh what did you think of it
0: I'm going to make light of this film throughout okay. my review. However, I did really enjoy it oh, far more than I thought I would.
1: Oh, that's really good. It's
0: news. worth uh, uh, students of film uh, should watch it not um, just because it's a classic horror film. Mm. It is still uh, a very well structured and paced film. Yeah. Every reel, every ten or eleven minutes, something significant happens mm-hmm. that uh, that kind of hooks you to watch for the next ten minutes. So you've got, you know, uh, Hutter, uh, Hutter, the, yeah. uh, our, our Germanic hero sets off yeah, yeah, at the end he, of the first reel. Yeah. End of the second reel, he wakes up and he discovers he's been bitten.
1: Yeah, he, he's effectively, for the people who know the story Dracula, he's oh, he's, 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 yeah. he's, he's Jonathan Harker, yeah, yeah. effectively.
0: Uh, you know, the end of the third reel is where Orlok menaces him in his room. Yeah. Fourth reel is uh, uh, Knock, uh, what's-his-face, Hutter's boss going mad yes, in the jail yeah, cell.
1: Yeah, and he's effectively, uh, uh, oh God, what's the guy's name? Uh, Ren, uh, Ren, can't think.
0: and Stimpy. No, Ren and Stimpy. That's fine.
1: Oh, it begins with Ren. Okay, Ren. Oh, I can't remember. Okay, but he, yeah, he he's he he's basically uh, the character in Dracula who's um, Dracula's emissary kind of thing. He he kind of is the mm. precursor, and he he eats bugs and stuff like that. Mm.
0: Yeah, but yes, it just kind of it kind of it continues in that vein. Every ten or eleven minutes, there's mm. which would be the end of a reel of film yeah absolutely something to hook you into staying for the next reel yeah yeah um yeah that that in particular fascinated me Mm. um there's there's some things in here that are still creepy 90 years Mm. on oh very much so uh the sequence where orlock goes for hunter in his room yeah and um hunter hutter 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 maybe i've got a autocorrect going on in there <laughs> yeah. uh, and his wife Ellen feels it mm. uh, back home Yeah, is still quite unsettling and it's really well shot and edited yeah. as well with just the shadows appearing on the wall yeah I uh, think that's probably the classic scene that a lot of people will have seen no the really? classic scene is Nosferatu attacking Ellen
1: well, yeah, but there's, I mean, there is that so bit. Point, but that was
0: using advertising campaigns for yeah, something or other in this Yeah, there was. And country. there was
1: the comedy sketch in The Fast Show. That, yes, that yeah, made yeah, yeah that's right, yeah. 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 Um, but I don't know, there's something about the first, that first kind of menacing then that, I mean I, I mean, I find it really kind of creepy and unnerving. Mm. And I'm sure, you know, that was one of the ones that I saw first. Mm. I, I mean, it was particularly memorable, perhaps.
0: The other, the, sh- the other single shot I really liked was... Um, or two actually the one with him coming out of his coffin on the ship mm-hmm. where he's just bored straight and comes yeah. up like rotates around his ankles out of the yeah. coffin to scare the poop out of the sailor yeah is um is very good and uh there's a shot when he goes to attack when ellen sacrifices herself mm-hmm. uh because she's read the book that said this is how you get rid of the vampire yeah a a lady who is without sin must willingly offer her own blood yeah um there's a shot of Nosferatu's shadow grabbing her heart. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, it's great. It mm-hmm. kind of... I, I i won't lie, my interest did waver occasionally. Yeah, I mean, I think with... Uh, the thing that actually... I w- I, this is something I'd be interested to, to talk about is that I find the tinting is actually a little bit off-putting.
0: Sometimes, yeah. Uh, the problem, I think, with the version that I saw is that English title cards have been inserted, inserted yeah. in place of the yellow yeah. ones. And sometimes the tinting on those is wrong for the scene that they're in, oh, which okay, kind of funny. pulls you out. Yeah, that. yeah. But I didn't find the tinting too much of a problem at right. all. Uh, it really... it really. I did find myself at the beginning of each scene going, that's blue, okay, this means we're at night. This yeah. one's yellow, okay, this means we're during the daytime. And yeah. then it all went pink, and I didn't know what was going on until I figured <laughs> yeah. out it was sunrise and or sunset. Yes,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I think... I, I certainly it's it's got less jarring the more I've seen it, but I I still find it a little bit odd. But then I guess it's because you know that era of film you're used to seeing in solely black yeah, and white. Yeah, it's
0: it's just a, a primitive grade
1: and a primitive yeah. day
0: for night shoot. That's Absolutely, sort of, yeah. they're using they're using the limits of technology at the mm-hmm. time. Because mm-hmm. yeah. uh, as I said, there's more special effects. There's the sequence where Urlock's um, carriage. Yeah, comes up to Hutter as he as he's in the street. Yeah, and it's speeded up. Yes. so this carriage is moving supernaturally fast. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they then um, go a step further when Hutter gets into the carriage and yeah. he's being taken away at that speed. They do an insert shot of him hanging out the window and his clothes being buffeted, so you yeah. know it's, it it's is going, going that fast. fast. Yeah. and they use stop motion animation. Mm-hmm. There's one shot in the coach scene that's a negative. Yes, as there well. Is. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, it's all uh, it's it's really good and creative uses of. Mm-hmm for lack of a better term primitive technology
1: yeah yeah
0: yeah like I said I, I, I've owned a copy of this for yeah. over 10 years and mm. never got around to watching it yeah. I don't know I still don't know if the version I have is tinted or no, not no no um, I don't think it is uh, just the menu art on this disc is terrifying but it's from <laughs> the original poster so yeah. it's like a yeah a fair a- Fairly expressionistic painting mm. of Nosferatu.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I, I guess this is this would come under the German expressionist movement of films. Yeah, I suppose it would. Um, my favourite of which is *Cabinet of Dr. Caligari*, mm-hmm. which is a bit more extreme in its stylization of mm. things. Um, and uh, I guess uh, things like *Metropolis* would probably be in there as well, mm. um, and a few others. Mm.
0: Oh, uh, I I liked how *Sunset* was represented. was represented by a dark pink tint uh, mm. and a closing of the aperture. Sun's yeah. going down. Zoop. Yeah, <laughs> um, we talked about the the carriage scene. Mm. Um, is it? There's a shot. Is, there's a shot in here that's done through a microscope as well. I think it appears to be uh, right. they well, microscopes
1: upon... in 1922,
0: Germany. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm just checking. I'm not. Yeah. I don't know the evolution of scientific equipment.
1: Yeah. Oh <laughs> well. Yeah. Uh, but I. I would. I don't know if it is genuinely through a microscope or if it's just very cleverly yeah. uh faked. Yeah. Using miniature. Mm. Like or you know.
0: But it's very good. And yeah. it still looks as though it's a shot through a microscope. Yeah. And mean, I'm just wondering how hard must it have been to film through a microscope in nineteen twenty two? Um who the hell right. There's a bit <laughs> Nosferatu gets to um Visborg by um by sea yes by packing himself in a coffin yes. with other coffins full of dirt and yes. rats yeah um uh, and he's taken on a ship yeah who the hell would accept a consignment of coffins full of dirt <laughs> they must have been some pretty
1: desperate sailors yeah although i you know it's one of those things i think i think uh custom and excise of that that era probably wasn't as, as no, strict probably, as it no, is now <laughs> no. <laughs> Exactly. You know, it so why do be... you need seven coffins of yeah, dirt It's not a bloke there in a flovy's jacket and yeah. a clipboard <laughs> yeah that'd be amazing yeah. inserting modern people modern jobs <laughs> yeah. into, into old
0: movies <laughs> uh, we can insert some border guards into um, the Orson awesome Wells film Touch oh, of Evil Touch of yeah. Evil yeah, yeah, yeah. to yeah. stop Mike going back and forth across <laughs> yeah. the border so easily yeah um, Hutter says he's off to the land of robbers and ghosts mm-hmm. where's the land of robbers and ghosts I'm guessing Hackney <laughs>
1: Quite probably, yeah. uh, and I like
0: the hyena playing a werewolf as well. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I, I don't know how uh, I don't know how widespread knowledge of hyenas was. In, no, in that exactly. So That's what I was thinking. Quite, uh, Are they
0: native to Germany at all? I wouldn't think no, so. No, I wouldn't no. think so. So they've just gone down a to local too and gone. can we borrow something that looks a bit like a werewolf? werewolf yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nobody's going to know. It's going to be it's going to be tinted blue. Yeah. Um, I'm not entirely sure. That uh, Hutter's wife, who has such a beautiful neck, according to Nosferatu, Mm -hmm. isn't it a uh, bloke in drag?
1: (laughs) No, I think I think she's she's a lady. In fact, I might even have the her name. Yes, she just looks like a fella. Uh, Greta Schroeder. There we go. Her name
0: was might be an assumed name.
1: It could be an assumed.
0: Uh, And oh, knock the estate agent. Yes, it's a pretty horrific looking fella in and of himself. Yeah. Now I'd go. I I, I, um, I read something about him, him. I thought I I'd um, write it down. I Jim Carrey must have based his entire look in the Lemony Snicket movie on that character. Yeah,
1: I hadn't noticed that before. Yeah, well, it, now the you the say first it, thing I thought of when yeah, I saw it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. He really, yeah, it's a very Grimm's fairy tale look, isn't mm. it? Yeah, yeah. So would you. <laughs> Hutter must have been desperate for a job
0: to accept a job with a man who yeah. is that scary, <laughs> yeah. that creepy. Um, I don't really have any other notes. It was mostly me just taking the piss out of it, uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was highly enjoyable. Well, I don't know if I choose to just sit down and watch it again, and I don't know how many other people I could persuade no, to watch it.
1: No, it's one of those movies that I think if you're if you are really interested in film. Mm. Uh, or you're interested in filmmaking in that you do it yourself, mm. it, you, you really should watch it because
0: I recommend anybody who's yeah.
1: even thinking about
0: writing a screenplay should watch it for structure.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think it, it really uh, is one of the one of the the first movies that one of the first modern movies, if you like. Because of the way it's paced, structured, the, the, I was the actually, use of camera technique. I was actually you know, surprised I so.
0: when I looked at the back of the DVD that it was 89 minutes long. Because yeah. uh, 1922, you just used to two reelers. And, exactly. and I knew it was longer than that. but yeah. I didn't expect it to be a full feature.
1: feature yeah. Um, I've got two... Quite incredibly fascinating facts. At least I think so. Oh, go for it. First one's kind of weird. Um, it was banned in Sweden for fifty years. I I read about this. Yes. So you, that made me laugh. Yeah, it, uh, it was for banned excessive horror. Yeah, until nineteen seventy-two, mm. you couldn't see it in Sweden, and you know. I mean, I bet they then wondered what the fuss. Yeah. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You think about all the like the Swedish erotica that was fine. Yeah, oh, yeah. You know, that, yeah, that's yeah, all right. Yeah. but you know. are fine, but yeah, yeah. vampires are not. Yeah, no. Um, the thing that really surprised me, and I didn't actually know until I was researching it for this podcast this is the first instance ever in any folklore or popular culture where a vampire, spoiler, is killed by sunlight.
0: Yes, I read that as well. That and I was surprised. I thought it must that must have come from the novel. I thought that must have come from the Dracula novel. No, no it didn't. It come, uh, he
1: changed it because it was different to the novel. That yeah. was one of the big changes he wanted to make mm. to make. Oh no, mine's different. My yeah. vampire dies with sunlight. But the thing is, that that is such an ingrained part of vampire lore.
0: Apart from some stupid new vampire incarnations, yes. Yeah, I know, yeah. but
1: and that's because they're changing. it. I, the, I, you know, I genuinely had no idea mm. that that wasn't like an, you know that goes back as long as vampires go back mm. um you know because i know there are there are uh, genuine conditions and diseases and illnesses that uh are aversions to sunlight yeah. cause blistering of the skin which was always where i thought that that came from laying on bondi beach in my case <laughs> yeah um but i think particularly there's one called porphyria where you can you can literally burn uh when you're in sunlight mm. Um, so I, w- I was quite surprised when I read that it was just an invention of F.W. Murnau. Hmm. Um, so it's quite a contribution to the world of horror, just that in yeah. itself.
0: Yeah, yeah. just uh, a contribution to accepted wisdom in general. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, Alexandra Stone on Facebook ah, yes. is a fan of this film. Mm-hmm. Nosferatu is absolute classic iconic horror. I think that many people today are unaware of how much the techniques used in that film have influenced generations of filmmakers since. I think it was all shot with one camera as well. Amazing. And Max Shrek puts in an inspired turn as Count Orlok. He could have almost been the real thing. I can't think how many times I mimicked him to scare my siblings growing up. Pure evil. <laughs> Excellent. Um, have some
1: customer for customer for f- 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 feedback. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> the customer for f- f- is always right. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? I, I know you've been drinking ginger beer today and mm-hmm. uh, it's showing again. Really? Yeah. <laughs> There's a definite
0: change, isn't there? There is, yeah. Depending on what... what sweet fizzy drink i've chosen to drink before the show <laughs> yeah so the customer f- f- feedback is yeah. one star one star uh all the five star reviews were yeah. too well written to read out on yeah. the show. they're no fun
1: yeah i think this is because it's generally accepted as is mm. quite a, it's a film you watch academically as well as for pleasure yeah i guess so <laughs> um i know it
0: was filmed over 80 years ago but this is a pure and utter bore how on earth can people say that this is the best scary movie ever made and brilliantly filmed and acted i don't know Firstly, the picture quality is astonishingly bad. You think that with all the new technology available today that someone could at least make the picture look bearable, yet instead it practically hurts to look at. The car actors cannot act. It's worse than it's worse than a five year old's Chris Mad concert at school. The movements are corny and it's all so terrible. I know you'll read this review and decide to buy it anyway because the overall rating
1: is five stars, but trust, it's way overhyped. <laughs> I tell you, what, I would be interested to see a Blu ray transfer. If they can clean it up any uh, more than it is already. I'm
0: trying to think if there is one. I don't remember I th- seeing one when I was having a poke about.
1: I think there might be. I don't know if there is for definite. Everything, I'll have a look. Will,
0: everything will come to Blu-ray eventually. I'm sure. Um, we didn't get very creative with the alternative titles. It's pretty much just Nosferatu. Yeah. Um, I did like the uh, the subtitle, A Symphony of Horrors. Yeah. Uh, and that was pretty much retained or translated mm-hmm. elsewhere. Apart from Austria, where it's The Twelfth Night, A Night of Horror.
1: Right.
0: And in Hungary, where well, they just went on the nose, Nosferatu, Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> that would be what prompted Mrs. Uh, yeah. Mrs. Stoker to
1: uh, get the lawyers out. Yeah, but I mean, it's interesting because the 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 kind of famed Universal version of Dracula was 1931, so it was only nine years later than this. Yeah, maybe they offered more money than Murney. Yeah, probably, uh, un- unless she died by that point and it was down to the estate lawyers and they uh, just wanted the money. Entirely possible. Yeah, um, and you know, I seen I saw that quite recently, and it it, it holds up pretty well. Mm-hmm. And that's for fairly faithful representation of the book as well. But I think that Nosferatu just just has that extra creepiness. Mm
0: and i've not seen that and i haven't read the uh i to be honest i haven't read the book all the way through either
1: i the when i read the book i was really surprised at how modern it felt because it's uh, i don't know if uh, people out there read it or not but it's um it's entirely done in letters correspondence and journal entries Mm -hmm. so it's not written like a normal prose novel it's always from the point of view of various people Mm -hmm. and that seemed quite unusual and different for Mm -hmm. its time um it's interesting that no one's really kind of, or oh, at least I don't know. I can't. I don't think I've seen the the terrible Keanu Reeves one, but no one's really kind of approached it in that way hmm. by doing it via. Look at that kind of. I
0: don't think that would translate very well to a movie. No,
1: maybe not. Oh, Dear maybe not. Fred,
0: that bloke bit me in the neck again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting quite bored now. Yeah. I've started leaving garlic all around the room. <laughs> Yet still he comes. <laughs>
1: Right, um, should we
0: move on to... The second half of tonight's main event.
1: Yeah. Gojira. Mm-hmm. Do you want to um, recap?
0: I'll try and just do that. Um, yes, I pitched on the original Godzilla film, Gojira, from 1954. Mm-hmm. Uh, I should probably, yes, recap. Uh, a Japanese salvage vessel witnesses a blinding flash, then something sets it on fire, causing it to sink. The same happens to the ship sent to rescue the crew and the fishing boat. Three survivors are cl- found who claim the ocean just blew up. Meanwhile, uh, fishing runs dry on provincial Odo Island. The resident crazy old man cr- proclaims it to be the work of an ancient mythical beast known as Gojira,
1: and Japan is about to find out just how right he is. Mm-hmm. Go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, now, interestingly, last week you said you watched this with a smile on your face all the way through it, yes. and it was quite a poor face. Wasn't it? Yeah. And I actually think there's kind of two ways to watch this movie. Mm-hmm. Well, there's two ways to approach Godzilla movies in general. Um there's a kind of overall kind of monster movie, silly kind of enjoyment of it all. It's a camp factor. Yeah. yeah. But then there's also quite a serious streak to this film. Oh, yeah. Um, so funnily enough, I kind of tuned more into that than the the silly fun side. You got an hour and a half of nuclear allegory. Yeah. Yeah, I think I did. But I, I didn't enjoy it. i oh, sorry. I did enjoy it <laughs> just as much as you did, I think. Been in a different way. Yeah, okay. absolutely. So I-, I reckon if I watched some of the later ones, I'd probably enjoy them in the same way you enjoyed this, where they're a bit more oh, yeah, fun. No, a bit no, they get, a more, bit they fun. get more
0: fun and camp as yeah. you go on, and I the mean, character morphs into being the hero yeah, rather than the villain.
1: Yeah. Um So there was stuff in this. I mean, I really, really enjoyed it. And I think the like just the opening sound effects really just... Put you right in the frame and the movie. Yes,
0: I wanted to play that on the show. Yeah, the, the Godzilla Raw, but yeah. it's copyrighted, so I'm not going to. Really? Yeah. Um, I, do you know how they did it? Uh, they scraped something with something else.
1: They had a leather glove covered in a resin mm. that was then uh, dragged down the string of a double bass. Nice. Uh, and it makes this really grinding, reverberating roar. Mm. And it's it's really like it's a definite roar but it's mm. an otherworldly roar, yeah, and, and you're not sitting there going, oh, that's a bit of a lion and an elephant and a yeah, yeah. seal combined or yeah.
0: whatever. You know it's something different. And, of course, recorded on 1950s Japanese course, yeah. Um, yeah. movie-making yeah. equipment, yeah. which would make it sound even more horrible.
1: Yeah. And the one of the things, I was amazed at how long they spend explaining some of the science in it. Yeah, it's very... Detailed. If not
0: accurate, then yes, detailed. Everything has a reason. Absolutely. Which is something I like.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, me too. Because, you know, I'm interested in science anyway. Um, But I think what I found interesting was that some of the science is like completely way out and mm-hmm. just silly. But others, bits of it are kind of pretty on the nose and mm-hmm. correct. And it's interesting the way they deliver all of it with the same conviction. Mm. So it kind of makes it all believable because you know bits of it to be true. Yeah. yeah. So you can kind of go with the rest. And
0: then they introduce an oxygen destroyer. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. yeah. Then that that's the bit where it's a bit like, okay, that, that almost feels a bit odd, but I'll go with it because yeah, yeah. it kind of works. Um
0: because a one-eyed man in a lab coat to- lab coat told me so. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, one of the things that also I found really interesting, we talked about this being uh, an allegory for nuclear attack and mm. all this kind of stuff. Now, the thing it really highlights is that the, the Japanese are the only people to have been the victims of a nuclear attack mm. in a kind of threatening war scenario. Mm. I mean, obviously, there have been nuclear disasters like Chernobyl and things like that, but... Um, it's own, you know, they're the only people that have been on the receiving end of it, yeah. Um, and it uh, you kind of get this really odd sense of a culture that doesn't quite know where it's going, what it is, or what's happening to it at mm. that point. Because, I mean, we've looked at Japanese films before, but in this one, it's kind of different because all of the activities that people are doing. Are actually quite westernised. So the guys on the boat at the beginning, some of them are playing music, but they're playing acoustic guitars and they're playing kind of like um, sort of not jazz, but kind of fifties dance music, as it were, like musical dance music. And um, we see there's a bit with a cruise ship later on, and everyone's ballroom dancing. Mm. Um, So when you see people at rest or at play, they tend to be doing very westernised things, which I thought was really kind of interesting um and i was surprised at the references to the war within the movie mm. uh, in particular when the one-eyed scientist gets quizzed by a journalist about his connections to the germans and mm. if he has any uh, and it was stuff like that i found kind of really interesting that they the they felt the need to highlight that they didn't have any connections to the to Germans yeah. scientifically <laughs> yeah. and, and you know and things like that. So it, there were some really kind of weird little culture things that I found and historical things that I found absolutely fascinating. Um it was great to see the the J A L J A L and Pan Am aeroplanes mm. as well. And just looking at those and thinking, well one of those still exists and the other, yeah. one. <laughs> the, the other one definitely doesn't. Um and uh, like you said, even though that it is a bloke in a suit, some of those rampage scenes are just absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Uh, did you
0: did you watch the fire trucks? Yes. yes which yes. are yes. quite clearly toys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, which I was <laughs> really weird. They haven't even overcranked the camera. No.
1: And you see that you see those really dodgy toy fire trucks crashing, and then two shots later, a real police car gets blown up. Yeah. <laughs> you kind <gotta> of think, hang <laughs> on a minute, did, you know, did they just run out of money at a certain point? Which they, they pretty much did. Probably. Um because I know it was, they were making this and Seven Samurai at the same time the same company. Okay. And it both of those at the same time nearly bankrupted them. Jeez. Yeah.
0: And they are two of the, the best known Japanese films of all time. Absolutely.
1: And they were up up for um uh I don't think they were up for Oscar. they were up for the kind of the Japanese equivalent of the Oscars mm. and the reason this didn't win was because Seven Samurai did. Mm. Um and it's well, the, this
0: this came about when someone was told we need to make a movie any movie.
1: Right, yeah. And I know that they originally it was going to be... Because the whole thing about a Japanese fishing boat being caught in a nuclear blast is actually true. Yes. Um, there was a Japanese fishing boat that got caught up in a nu- uh, an American nuclear test. Mm. And it was originally supposed to be just a straight drama about that. Mm. But it didn't quite come together. And then someone was like, let's have a monster in it. Yeah, um,
0: And then that's kind, hey, of, kind in, of what happened. Japan, and it, it worked. If, if you need to move a story along, you chuck in a giant monster
1: or a giant robot. Yeah, absolutely. Or a girl in a school... Uniform, yeah, suit, have, picking people. Yeah, I have to say though, I would not want to be the bloke in the two hundred pound rubber suit wading through a swimming pool while having fireworks thrown at him. No, <laughs> <laughs> I mean I was just watching that, thinking, <laughs> bloody hell. Yeah, I mean that is a recipe for disaster. I mean, how it, that rubber latex suit did not catch fire in some of those rampaging scenes, I don't know. I, and you know, it weighed like two hundred pounds. Yeah, as well he's a lucky his, man. Yeah absolutely crazy
0: inside every every giant monster is a tiny japanese man struggling to get out <laughs>
1: yeah. um but like i said uh overall i actually found it, it's quite a sad film overall because it's you, you kind of see the japan as a country that's you know it's had this you know kind of crazy attack in terms of you know the end of the second world war and the, mm. the, the nuclear attack and then just trying to figure out well are we now a western society are we a traditional Japanese mm. society are we you know should we be afraid forevermore that if we do if we step out of line we're going to get obliterated mm. and so it was I mean that I found I actually found really interesting and then I realised that's why any American remake of Godzilla will never work okay and and i think that's the reason why godzilla works because it has that setup and even though later on you bring in all the other monsters and it gets a bit more camp and a bit mm. funnier and a bit more uh, upbeat i think that th- that underlying core to it it will be completely devoid in any kind of like american big budget reboot
0: because this is up for being uh, rebooted again, it is. Yeah, um, the director of Monsters is attached.
1: Yeah. Now, I, I wasn't a particular fan of Monsters. I haven't got around to that yet. I I, uh, I watched it, and the visual effects are absolutely astounding mm. for a, a film of that budget. Mm. But the story and the characters just really fell flat for me. I okay. got really bored with it. Um, but I, but if there's one person you would go-to to make a movie like this i think he's actually a very very good choice but i still don't think it'll work un- unless they they pull some really clever idea with the plot um or the the, the re- they really get a good story to it hmm. um but yeah I, overall i thought it was really really good and just a really fascinating film to watch um and i mean things like uh the scenes um the scenes of the aftermath of the attack on Tokyo, mm. uh, and the the hospitals and the kids with the radiation and all that mm. kind of stuff, and I mean you could just assume that that's what it was like after oh, yeah. Hiroshima or Nagasaki, and you kind of um, you know it was it was very poignant. I thought, uh, even though it was supposed to be a rampaging monster, yeah. Br- yeah, breathing yeah. fire. It was, <laughs> it, so it's really kind of weird because you're like you're suddenly hit with these images that you know could be Might very as well real be documentary, yeah. yeah. Um, but then it's it's in the aftermath of a monster attack, so it's yeah. kind of odd. Um, but yeah, I, I highly recommend it. I really enjoyed it.
0: Excellent. Good, good, good.
1: We we done well this week. We have. Uh,
0: I have some customer feedback on Godzilla. Go on. Then. One star and a five star. One star. All right. Synthetic monster, amateurish production, acting worse than in a school plays, pathetic storyline, no narrative drive. Easily one of my hundred worst films. Maybe even one of my worst ten
1: missing the point I, I think so
0: yeah. uh, the the five star um, might, <laughs> might have come from our French friend oh really sadly did not right shows a different Japan to the rather crazier one we know in the 21st century although stated that Japan in this film still shows the eastern pluralistic mindset in an argument about whether to kill or to study Godzilla opposing viewpoints lead to the concus- conclusion you're both right <laughs> Ultimately, the oxygenator, metaphorical H-bomb, must yeah. be used to kill Godzilla. However, the film predicts more Godzillas survive beneath the waves, only too ready to punish man's hubris. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. The academic viewpoint. Absolutely. Around the world, in Germany, this was Godzilla, the most sensational film of the present.
1: Right. In Sweden. <laughs> That's really like non-committal.
0: Yes. Yeah. Uh, in Sweden, it was Godzilla, the monster from the sea. Right. In Greece. Godzilla, the monster of the century. Right. In Portugal, the monster of the Pacific Ocean. Uh And in Spain, my favourite alternative title, Japan under the terror of the monster. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Excellent. We need to get on to this week's movies, don't we? We do,
1: yeah. I think you should go first. Okie dokie.
0: Well, um, I'm kind of keeping in the monster theme. Oh, really? A little bit. Okay. A little bit. Okay. Um, But bringing it up to date. Okay. Uh, for a film from last year. Mm-hmm. The Grey. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. Uh, the basic plot is uh, Liam Neeson uh-huh. plays a man called John Otway, who's a sniper for an oil company drilling in Alaska. His job is to keep an eye out for wolves and take them out if they present a threat to the workers. Uh-huh. Uh, and one day, the plane carrying Otway and the oil workers home to Anchorage uh, crashes in the middle of nowhere. Blizzards and wolves draw closer, and Otway is anyone's hope of survival. Right. Only John Otway. Okay. So there we go. Uh, it's directed by Joe Carnahan, who directed Smoking Aces and The A-Team, believe it or right, not. Right, yeah. Um, so he's kind of had a weird career trajectory to end up with this. Yeah, this yeah. Is Unlike those films. Okay. Uh,
1: I haven't and, seen Smoking Aces. I have seen The A-Team. And I've that, seen bits of both. Okay, A-Team's kind of fun. Mm. Uh, you know, light and fluffy mm. and silly like it needs to be.
0: Um, Neeson took this role when Bradley Cooper dropped out. Uh, right. And he's not just in every scene, but almost every shot. Wow. Um I saw this on a plane, mm-hmm. forgetting the plane crash setup, <laughs> right. and thinking, oh, it's just a way to pass a couple of hours, uh, and I got completely hooked. It's really? so much harder and better than I was expecting. Really? Um, there's a cheap cable channel in the UK called Movies for Men. Yeah. And this is a movie for men. Right. Uh, it doesn't shy away from gore or language. It's hard. It's tough. It looks like it was absolutely no fun to make. Right. Um, <laughs> apparently, temperatures got down to minus 40. Oh, Jesus. Uh, which is the same in both languages. Yeah. Uh, and. Uh, most of the blizzards are real. Wow. Yeah. Uh, uh, to paraphrase my friend Dean, uh, it's a cheap toilet paper movie. It's rough, tough, and takes no shit. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to forgive a few
1: iffy iffy wolf effects, right? Um, but yeah, overall, okay, I mean, it's really good. Th- this was the movie that when you see the trailer, you go, "Oh my god, have they really made Liam Neeson wolf punch?" Well, that's uh, I'm. I was going to get onto that. This was quite unfairly marketed, mostly yeah. off the back of Taken. Uh, yeah. As
0: kind of a taken with wolves, yeah. uh, and it did become known as kind of Liam Neeson wolf puncher. Yeah. Uh, and if you haven't seen the trailer, I would recommend don't watch it because okay. it not only missells the film but gives away the ending.
1: Right. Okay. I have seen the trailer, but I can't remember it. I just Good. remember like you know bits where he's, you know going to punch wolves. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's
0: it's it's far more than that and far better than that. Okay. Uh, it's the story of a man whose life is suddenly given purpose. Okay. Interesting. Um, uh, and, yeah, I uh, like I said, I enjoyed it far. I thought it was just going to be a way to pass time, and yeah. I really enjoyed it. Oh, that's cool.
1: Uh, to the point where I purchased a copy. So. Yeah. yeah, excellent. Uh, I was a bit like that when I was on the flight watching The Descendants. I just thought, oh, I'll just stick that on and then end up really enjoying it. Yeah. So, cool. I look forward to watching it. it sounds excellent. intriguing. Uh, it's your turn. Okay. So, this week, mm-hmm. I've got a documentary for you. Okay. Um, I can
0: see additional hardware, and I'm worried.
1: Yeah, okay. So, uh, I'm... Basically, I want you to do something while I'm pitching this to you. Uh, just to get you in the mindset. Depending on what you ask, it could be get up and walk out. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, no, it, it's it's nothing horrible or nasty. Right. Uh, you don't need to limber up, oh, it's okay. fine. Uh, but I, I think I video it just in case we get a nice little uh, video extra out of it. <laughs> um, so, um, I'm going to pitch you a documentary from mm-hmm. uh, about four years ago. And it's called Between the Folds. I've never heard of this. I thought not. So I'm going to give you some bits of paper. Okay. And I want you to make something out of those bits of paper while I'm doing my pitch. Not all of them. Just pick one. Make anything you like out of that bit of paper. You know I have absolutely no arts and crafts (laughs) skills whatsoever. I do. That's why we have three cameras. Oh, mate. (laughs) So anyway, so if you hear some rustling, it's just us with the paper. Okay. Um, make what? Anything. Do I have to fold it? You can do it, yeah, you fold it, do what you like with it, because the documentary is all about origami. Okay. Um, all right, I'm going to try, try a paper airplane. I've never been very good at these. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> see Mr. Blue
0: Peter at the other end of the table is uh, having a go as well. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, I've, I've, I will give... I, uh, uh, I have I like been practising this a little bit. Hmm, but, um, but I was absolutely fascinated by this documentary. To be honest, I, again, I just put this on to pass some time because, you know, it's just some noise in the background, uh, really. And then I got completely hooked into it and then... It wasn't actually until about two days after I'd finished watching or two days after I'd watched it, that I decided that I actually wanted to pitch this to you. Um, I've forgotten how to make a paper airplane. <laughs> that's not it, is it? Oh, wait, <laughs> no, that's not even close. A snub-nosed. <laughs> well, it's a good job I brought lots of paper. Yeah, um, I'll chuck it at you anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, basically... How
0: do you make a paper
1: airplane? <laughs> you must know how to make a paper airplane. Oh, I, know the, well, I know that much. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you've got plenty of paper there. Keep going. I don't
0: going. know what to do. Um,
1: this is why you said, oh, I'm going to the art shop the other day. It is, yeah. yeah. Um, you never go to the art shop. No. Uh, <laughs> so basically, yeah, it's a documentary about origami, but it, it's a documentary. I can't even fold the <laughs> damn <down laughs> thing straight. It's it looks a like do- a wonky sandwich. <laughs> it's a documentary about all of the applications for origami mm-hmm. that there are. And you would not believe how people use this. Uh, the people interviewed, I'm going to run down a list of people interviewed in this movie, um, and some of their job descriptions are absolutely amazing. Uh, first off, we've got Dr. Eric Domain. Uh, I don't guy, know what that is, but there we go. <laughs> this guy, I'm going to make a gallery at the end. We'll get some close oh, um, I Honestly, I have no clue how to fold paper. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, this guy, Dr. Eric Domain, he uh, started college at the age of 12, smart <laughs> yeah got a phd by the age of 20 uh and um he is a computational origamist and theorist of course um can you imagine that conversation with his parents i, yeah, I don't well, want to be a lawyer dad i want to be a computational origamist and therapist you see say that but his dad is also in the film and he's also a computational origamist <laughs> and theorist <laughs> He's also an artist and they are... Do you think they have domain and sons? (laughs) Yeah. Computational
0: origamists.
1: But, you know, these people do research for like NASA, MIT, all sorts of places. Hmm. Um, Some of their research is, you know, these people are looking at how you can use origami techniques to fold things like proteins to make them work in different ways to how they're designed. Okay. So the, I mean, this is the level of what you can do with origami because um, there are some people that uh, uh, there's one guy that uses it to teach maths, um, and because origami is pretty much ge- uh, obviously geometry. Yeah. But it's much more than that. You can you can use it to demonstrate all sorts of mathematics. Um, and I will say now, maths is probably one of my weakest subjects academically. Behind spelling. So, yeah, yeah, behind <laughs> spelling. Um, but I was absolutely glued to this uh, documentary because it covers everything. So You're not allowed you, to use glue. No, you're not allowed to use glue. Well, one of the things that they state at the beginning of the documentary, which I, I found really interesting, was the fact that origami is a what they call a transformative art form. Most art forms are either uh, additive or destructive. Um so painting is additive. You start off with a canvas and you mm-hmm. add paint to it. Uh sculpting is destructive. You start with a block of rock and you chip bits away. Mm-hmm. Whereas with origami, you start with a bit of paper and you end with a bit of paper. The only difference being is it's a different shape. Um there are some very uh interesting takes on origami and how kind of, you know the philosophy of it. Mm-hmm. Some of it is like quite unusual. Um some people do take it possibly a little bit too seriously in the wrong way, I think. Um, but you have... S- stop sign. <laughs> you have scientists, theorists, What's you have uh, architects, um, you have uh, origami teachers, mathematicians, all being interviewed, but one of my favourites are the origami anarchists. ha! <laughs> Which, in it is, <laughs> I know, as soon as it came up, I was just like, okay, now th- this is where it's getting really kind of funny and silly. But these guys, they don't, like, I mean, origami is a lot about folding in very precise ways and doing things in very orderly fashion. You wouldn't think that, looking at what I've just done. Yeah. <laughs> but these guys uh, would just crumple up paper and then make it do things. This documentary made me gasp aloud in several occasions, (laughs) just because I was like, "How blokes holding paper? How the hell can you create these shapes using just paper? How can you make paper move in that way?" There, there, there's one guy that creates these things that you know. It starts off one shape. You he lets it go, and it transforms into something else.
0: That's just weird.
1: Yeah, um, it's it's got a very um, there's some just really weird things that. These people get this this paper to do and different types of paper and all that kind of thing. Um, I will say that I finally remember how to make a plane and it's terrible. I'm going to throw it at Tom anyway, <laughs> and it didn't reach me from three I'm feet away. Um, into aerodynamics. So anyway. <laughs> um, it's a, I wouldn't say it's the best made documentary ever, um, but it's definitely engaging all the way through, which I think is the, the key points. Uh, that, you know, you need for a documentary. Uh, it doesn't really matter if it's just a load of talking heads or what have you. Um, for people who haven't seen the video, Tom has had one piece of paper that he's been working on
0: and working on and working <laughs> on and making one thing. I have made five <laughs> pieces of shit that the average three-year-old would be embarrassed to have touched.
1: But, no, no, you say that. There's, there's one guy at the beginning of this um, where he was talking to some, uh, he was teaching a class about origami and they said, can you make something with one fold? Mm -hmm. And he said, no, of course you can't. Don't be stupid. And then he kept thinking about it and thinking about it. And then he demonstrates exactly what you can do with just one fold. Mm. And they're they're kind of abstract shapes, but you wouldn't believe what you can do with just one fold and a piece of paper. Right, this pink one here, what can I do with one fold? (laughs) See if you can just make a, an, an elegant-looking, interesting thing. I've made an <laughs> elegant-looking, interesting thing with three-folds or five-folds so far.
0: Um, i so, made two disabled-looking
1: planes, a stop sign, and I don't know what either of those two <laughs> things are. Um, there, there is one bit that had me absolutely, like, I, ju- I really could not believe this or understand it, and it's one of the things that Eric Domain does and talks about. Um, and he developed... That would be two-folds he developed a thing yes. called uh, the fold and cut technique and he proposed a theory that you could take a piece of paper fold it as many times as you like in a in a particular way make one oh. cut oh bash my microphone sorry <laughs> make one cut with a pair of scissors and when you unveil one of those bits of paper it would create a shape mm. and his theory was that Provided you understood how to fold that piece of paper, you could make any shape that has straight edges. He demonstrates this by folding a piece of paper, making one cut, and revealing a swan. (laughs) I know. How many straight edges
0: does a swan have?
1: Well, well, when you look at it, it looks like a swan. I've given up on the one-fold thing. (laughs)
0: not working for me.
1: Um, So, yeah, this, this... I'm now making something that looks like
0: you might... Wrap around a napkin.
1: Well, whilst we've been doing this, Kieran has been making his uh, lovely abstract shapes. Um, I've been making one of the traditional origami figures, uh, which is a crane, which is... not that's uh, okay. Well, that's... Pretty good. Yeah, by my bedside, there's. Can, can you there's, make a unicorn? Yeah, <laughs> by my bedside, there's about uh, thirty of those. <laughs> where I've been doing it, yeah, practicing it. Bet your it. wife is really and not being yeah. able to find a notepad anywhere in the yeah. house, right? Yeah, now. I've just been tearing bits of paper and trying to make these little things. I bet just she's because you would never seen that film, uh, she probably is, because I was just fascinated by it. I Don't um, know what that is either, but there we go. <laughs> I might, I, maybe it's an iPad stand. Yeah, well, see, you've you've effectively made some interesting and nice shapes and designs you've my got brain two there that complement each other yeah entirely you know? by accident which i only realized when i finished the green one <laughs> well, there you the go you see uh, but
0: my brain just does not work this way no i can sit down in front of after effects yeah uh, complicated um mm-hmm. Uh, special effects program, yeah, uh, and I could make you any kind of shape you want in that, and make it do whatever you like, complete yeah. with motion blur, lens flare, and happy little sparkles. Yeah. But I can't, I can't draw, no. I can't paint. My stick men look retarded, <laughs> um, and I certainly can't fold paper. No. I'm
1: not, very, I'm not a very dexterous person right. either, as you will have witnessed by me falling over a hundred <laughs> times every day. Yeah, um, that, that's why I'm really intrigued to see what you make of this this film. Um, I can make traffic lights. Hold on. <laughs> um, there's a kind
0: of getting in the right order. This is terrible. Where does the traffic light go? There's a guy, Red, orange, green. Here we go. There's,
1: there's a guy called uh, Dr. Robert Lang, who's an origami artist, and mm-hmm. scientist, and theorist. Um, and I might see if I can find a, a website or gallery of some of his things because they are apps. I mean, honestly, you look at them and think that cannot be made of paper without the aid of glue, scissors, robots. Yeah, um, but. I'm going to end on my favourite job description I think I may possibly have ever heard. Okay. And that is Bernard Payton, origami artist and bear biologist. <laughs> <laughs> Which I just thought was superb. Um, so as you can as you can imagine... <laughs> Two completely related careers. I, I know. So I apologise for the people listening who may not see the video that this pitch may be a bit rambly and odd, but... Um, Go see the video. Go Just see the watch the video. video. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Perhaps we should edit this bit out of the audio version so people
1: have to watch the video and <laughs> yeah, then come back. Maybe, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's it's a really intriguing documentary and I'm really fascinated to see what you think about it. Now that you've tried it. Oh, I had tried it over the years as a child. That's I used to what know how to thought. fold a paper aeroplane. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't now. Maybe I'll make you one in a minute. Mm. <laughs> Right so that that's effectively my my entire pitch so I'm I'm intrigued to see what you think of this uh, bizarre world of origami and its uh, unbelievable apl- uh, applications in the okay. real world Well um
0: uh, I think it's time to time to end Absolutely uh, if you have any correspondence on this show uh for example if you happen to be an origami art- artist and or bear biologist <laughs> um if you have seen uh the movie I've already forgotten the name of between the folds between the folds it's yeah. the ginger beer effect between the <laughs> folds uh, or the gray mm. or both uh, please send us uh, yeah. send us your missives uh, you can do that by uh, contacting us on Twitter at hys podcast right. in actual fact if you don't already I recommend following us we yes. don't post much but we're great Yes. Um, you can contact us on Facebook facebook.com have you seen podcast mm-hmm. we have a blog have you uh-huh. Or if you're slightly more old fashioned, uh, you could fold your thoughts up neatly in an email that looks like a crane and send it to podcast at have you Uh We'd like to thank Upbeat Productions for the use of this studio, which I have just littered with crap paper aeroplanes. <laughs> uh, and Alexia Mum for all his technical expertise. I bet he's the kind of guy that could fold a good paper aeroplane. Yeah, I bet he could actually. I reckon he could. Yeah. Um, and in the words of. Bizard Air. The, the what?
1: Air, Bizard air. Yeah, nice. do a little airline. Yeah. Paper airplanes. Perhaps we'll, we'll next time we hairiest we'll... planes in the business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perhaps next time we see it we'll see if we can get him to fold us a paper airplane. Okay. Nice. I think it'll be really precise and technical. Yeah. yeah. Um You've
0: ruined my clothes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <sighs> in the words of the reporter in Godzilla, this broadcast is over. Goodbye everyone. Goodbye.